Thank you for listening to the Proclaim Church Sermon Podcast. Proclaim's mission is to make Jesus known through gospel-centered worship, community, and mission. For regular meeting times, more information about our beliefs, or other information, check us out at proclaimkc.org. For we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Hebrews 13, 14. Friends, as believers, as God's people, we are strangers and exiles on the earth, Hebrews says. Pilgrims, that word exiles is sometimes translated pilgrims. Pilgrims in this land, pilgrims in this world, sojourners wandering through the wilderness of this life on our way to a land that has been promised to us. Exiles. We've tasted freedom in Christ here, and yet we're making our way to the city of eternal freedom. That's you, believer. That's you, church. In John Bunyan's classic book, The Pilgrim's Progress, if you've never read it, I would highly recommend reading it. It illustrates this fact well. Uh, the, The main character, Christian, deals with every sort of trial, with every sort of challenge a Christ follower faces on this life's journey. In one particularly vivid scene, Christian has just shed his burden that he has been carrying his whole life. He's shed it at the foot of the cross. And he starts down this path to the celestial city, Bunyan calls it his final destination, his home. Shortly after he starts this journey, he comes to the foot of what the story calls the hill difficulty. It doesn't take long, does it, on this journey with Christ? It doesn't take long until we come to the foot of a hill difficulty. Am I right? And Christian sings this song. It goes like this. This hill, though high, I desire to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend, for I perceive the way of life lies here. Be strong, my heart. Let neither faint nor fear. Better, though difficult, the right way to go than wrong, though easy, where the end is well. You see, Psalm 121 starts similarly with God's people lifting their eyes to the hills. The psalm comes from a series of psalms. You'll see in in your Bible, at the beginning of each one, it says a song of ascents. The word ascent means like steps or stairs. It's believed to have been sung. These psalms were believed to have been sung by God's exiled people when they were on their way back to Jerusalem, on the way back to the promised land, on the way back to their city, to their home. It at least was used as God's people would travel to Jerusalem for festivals to celebrate the things that God had done for them as a people. And their real-life journey to Jerusalem Can you imagine? It's hard 
with planes and with cars to imagine what it would be like to set out on a journey to a city miles away with nothing but your feet and a staff and your stuff on your back, right? Can you imagine what it would have been like, this real-life journey, the dangers that would have gone with it? And this journey that they took was symbolic or is symbolic of the journey of, of life for us. The real dangers of ancient travel, the elements of nature, the rough terrain that they would have to traverse, the, the wild beasts and robbers and murderers along the way, symbolic of the dangers that we face in this life every day, right? Psalm 121 is a song for pilgrims like you and me. And today, many of you stand at the foot of some hill. Today, many of you have a, a hill difficulty that is before you. I don't know what that is. This path of faith presents us with many different difficulties. For some of you, the hill may be a smaller hill for you in your life. For some of you, it may be a larger hill. For some of you, you've, you've faced hills before. And for some of you, this hill is new and it's an ominous shadow over your life right now. I don't know what your hill is, but we want to sing with Christian, this hill, though high, I desire to ascend, but how, how can we do that? How will we get through this thing? How will you get through this thing that you're going through right now? How will you do it? What will become of it? What will become of you? What should you do? A simple question arises in our hearts, just as it does for the psalmist here in Psalm 121. From where does my help come, right? I look to the hills and I ask myself the question, where does my help come? Does it come from cultural change, from legislation, the government? Does it come from myself and I just pull up my bootstraps and I got to get to work and I got to make it happen? My actions, my power, my influence, is that where my help comes from? The psalmist declares, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who's created every part of this land that we pilgrim in. He is the only reliable help that we can turn to. And what's the nature of the help primarily? Look in the psalm. Do you see? Did you, did you see as we read the psalm? Did you notice anything? Six times in the psalm, the same word is repeated. Keep. Keep. Keeper. Keep. 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 He doesn't promise to help us to avoid the hill difficulty. Understand, the Lord, our help, the creator of heaven and earth, does not promise that he will help us to avoid the hill difficulty. He promises to keep us through it. In the midst of whatever hills you find yourself pilgriming, I want one truth this morning to resound for you, and that is this. The Lord will keep you for the journey. Friend, 
Christian, if you, if you know the Lord, if you are his, I want you to know this. The Lord will keep you for the journey. He will. He promises. And so this truth shifts the attention of our pilgrim psalmist. It shifts from looking at the problems of the hills to looking at the keeper of the pilgrims. And there are three realities of this keeper that give us comfort for our journey that we will see in this psalm. First, our keeper is watchful. Second, our keeper is closer. And third, our keeper is greater. Our keeper is watchful. He's closer. And he's greater. Verse 3 He will not let your foot be moved. The journey of a pilgrim is not smooth and easy path. Am I right? Can I get like an amen on that? Like, I mean, unless all you guys' paths have been smooth and easy as Christ followers, right? Anyone had some difficulties in life? See, I can ask this now and people actually respond because I'm not looking at a camera. It's fantastic. You can respond. I can actually hear you now. So it'll it'll be good. It's not just the pits and the traps of sin and temptation, right? I mean, those exist on on the path, but it's not just that. But when when we seek to be obedient to God, to be used by Him in this great adventure that we are on, this mission He's called us to, this family He's called us to be a part of, there are innumerable opportunities even when we have the best of intentions, to misstep, to make mistakes. Have you, have you guys experienced that? Have you felt that? You have great intentions on this, on this path, this journey, this pilgrimage uh, of being a Christ follower, and, and you, you have great intentions, and you're trying your best, and you're, you're, you're doing as well as you can imagine, and yet you misstep constantly. So many opportunities to put your foot, often for me, my my mouth, where it shouldn't, and to reap the consequences of that. I was walking down a trail recently. This is a couple of weeks ago, right after it had been rainy for multiple days, and I was walking down a trail trying to figure out uh, what the best steps were to take to keep my shoes, you know, from ending up covered in mud. You've been there. And so I'm stepping carefully, and I'm watching, and I'm looking, and I came to one spot, and I kind of analyzed the, the, the layout, and I could step here, and I could step here, and, I could step, and, and this looks more grassy, and it looks a little bit drier, a little bit less wet. And so I, so I kind of jump over to the next step, and just as soon as my foot lands, I realize that was a mistake. You've been there, like, you, you just feel your foot kind of slide and sink as you land, and you're like, oh, man. Man, I don't even want to look down and see what my shoe looks like right now. Steven, you've never experienced that. <laughs> he keeps his shoes clean. Oh. So I, so I step and I realize this was a bad decision. My shoe is covered to the laces with mud. You felt like that on this pilgrim's journey, right? You're going along. And you know there are places you shouldn't step, and you're trying your best, and it looks like the right decision, it looks like the right next step, and you jump, 
and your foot sinks in the big old pile of mud. The psalmist tells us, he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps all God's people, he does not slumber, nor does he sleep. It repeats that twice for emphasis. He is watchful. Our keeper is watchful. His eyes are ever on us. Our mistakes and our missteps, they don't slip through the cracks. It's not like God is sitting there going like, oh, 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 oh crud, I forgot to tell you, don't step there. I just, I looked away for a second and, I did, and then you stepped. Shucks. He is watchful constantly, always. He isn't surprised. He didn't miss. So then what should we learn from our stumbling? What should we learn from those moments? To seek, to take a wiser path? To try and step more carefully? Well, of course, we ought to do that. But there's a deeper truth here, I think. Listen, if he sees, if he sees it, then our shortcomings, they don't ruin his plans. Our mistakes and our missteps, they don't negate his promise. God doesn't promise to keep you from slipping. He doesn't promise to keep you from stepping where you shouldn't every time, but, but he promises that your feet will never be moved from his care and his watch. That your mistakes are not the end of your pilgrimage. The Lord will keep you for this journey. Friends, more than just your actions and your deeds, listen, the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, is watching you. You, personally. I love what Spurgeon wrote about this verse. He says, if, if our foot will be thus kept, we may be sure that our head and our heart will be preserved also. What wonderful words. So the Lord is your watchful keeper, yes, but there's more. Verse 5 says, the Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The, this parallelism, parallelism of opposites, the sun and the moon. In, in Hebrew poetry, it's like saying this and that and everything in between. All of it. It covers every danger that's out there in the world as as vast and as overarching as the sun is, as strong and as hot and as piercing as it can be, as impossible as it is to escape on a hot day, and you know what that's like recently. Our keeper is closer. When, when you're, if you've ever hiked in the desert, if you've ever gone on a hike where you're above tree line, you know that there is nowhere to hide. There is nowhere to hide there. There is no trees to give you shade. There's no trees to block the wind. You are as exposed as you ever will be to the elements. The sun beats on you. The wind blows with nothing to block it. It honestly can be absolutely terrible. Comparison to the world, 
that is to come, in comparison to the city that we are meant for, this world and this journey is a desert trail that we walk. And on our pilgrimage, it often feels like there is nowhere we can hide from the wind and the sun and the elements. If you felt like that, that sometime in life, sometimes in life there is just nowhere you can hide from the swirling mess around you. But the Lord will keep you on this journey, he says, because he is closer. He stands between. He's the shade on your right hand. He shades us always from the dangers that, that could be in the same way that you can't go anywhere without your shadow following you. You can't go anywhere, believer, on this earth where God's shadow doesn't cast its shade on you. Nowhere. He's big enough. His shade is large enough. It is sufficient for what we need, whether our journey takes us through scorching sun or moonlight night. When we're tempted, he provides a way out. When we face obstacles, he turns them into opportunities. When we face trials, he gives us the strength to persevere. This is not a promise, friends, for an easy and comfortable life. Understand, it's not. It's a promise that we will have in him, the maker of heaven and earth, what we need in every single moment, no matter how hot the sun scorches us. See, our keeper is watchful and our keeper is closer, but, but the question remains, is he enough? It's one thing to be, to be able to pay attention at all moments. It's one thing to be closer and in between. But, but if you're not enough, what can you do? Is, is our God, is our keeper enough? The psalm, the psalm describes the dangers of this hill difficulty that we must climb in increasing intensity. Did you notice in the first paragraph there, the dangers are those that are right about our feet. And then in the next paragraph, the dangers grow to those that are all around us. And here in this last few verses, in verses seven and eight, it expands cosmically. It's the evils that are everywhere and at all times, always. Verse 7 says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He's able to keep you from all of it. He will keep your life. He's able to keep all of you. This is not merely about life and death. This is about all of who you are. The Lord will keep you. You keep your going out and your coming in. He's able to keep you in all places, everywhere, from this time forth and forevermore. There's not a time where he is able, where he is not able to keep you. He will always be able to. Listen, he's able to coordinate your going out at this time with your coming in years later even. I was reminded of this yesterday. I was reminded of this yesterday when uh, I went to reception for Caleb and Harper. Uh, they got married in quarantine life, um, if you didn't know that. So yeah, somehow, somehow made that work. Uh, but but at, at the, res the the reception party yesterday, um, I saw someone that I hadn't seen in, in years. I mean, over fifteen years. And I wondered why, like, why is this guy here? 
You see, years ago, just a few weeks into college, I went to visit a church. I was looking for a church that I would go to when I was in college, and I, and I visited this particular church where this man was an elder, and he is, and his wife, they invited me over to their house with a few other college students for lunch after service, and they were quite hospitable to us, and they talked to us about the church and about who they were, and, and, they, and I remember, like it was last month, we were in their living room, and they had this giant map of the world, and they talked about their passion for missions and their, their, how they loved and prayed for and supported these different missionaries. And I remember during that time thinking, this is the church that God wants me to be at while I'm at college, and so I, so I started attending there. But I couldn't figure out why this guy was at this reception. And so I asked Caleb's dad, I said, hey, is the connection, is the connection with Bob you? Is that, is that what the connection is? And he said, oh, yeah, we were in Manhattan, and Bob was starting this church. Oh, yeah, I went to that church. And we were, and Caleb's dad said, we were part of the first members of this little church plant. We met in, I think, their basement at first and somewhere else. And eventually we made it to where, where, I, where I was at, where, where I attended the building that they were in when I attended there. And, and he said, yeah, we, we were there from day one and Bob had this great influence on our life. And even when, we, when Caleb was just two years old and we were trying to get over on the mission field, it was, it was Bob and his wife who actually physically helped us. Like she actually flew at her own expense to help bring our kids to Turkey to to the mission field? And now, here's where it gets really funny to me. I go to Mill Creek, or yeah, I go to uh, uh, New Hope, where the church that Bob started in Manhattan, and start volunteering there because I, because I went to Bob's house for lunch, right? And so I start going there, I start volunteering there, I volunteer there, I meet Jeremy Krause, uh, I start volunteering with Jeremy Krause and become friends with him. Later on, he becomes the pastor at Mill Creek, and then he calls and they say, hey, we want to plant a church. Would you be the church planter? And so then I say, okay, well, I'll, I'll plant this church. And then I, I come to Kansas City, and I meet Caleb at Mill Creek, and I begin to mentor Caleb. And then Caleb comes to be a part of Proclaim, and here I am doing their wedding. And all because this guy had an influence, a little influence in my life, and a lot of influence in Caleb's dad, dad's life and in their family. And all of that comes together, this little church plant meeting in the basement of someone's home, all that going in and coming out from that time to this time. That's why I'm standing at that reception that day talking to him. You see, we have no idea. I can imagine for, for this man, Bob, that, that years ago when he was starting this church in his, in his basement, he thought, man, we, this, this is hard work. Starting a church and leading a campus ministry, this is hard work. And, and what will come of this? And will it work? Will God do anything with it? And he had no idea about me or you or any of that, but God did. God knew how every single pilgrim journey would converge with every other pilgrim journey on the way to the city, on the way home. Friends, do you, do you get this? that our God, our keeper, is greater. You think the climb ahead of you is too big. You think the troubles that lay on either side of the path are too great. Our keeper is greater. 
You see, at the start, the psalmist's eyes look to the hills, to the difficulty and the risks that lie ahead for every pilgrim on this journey of life. But his response to those problems is not to dwell on the hills, but to turn his eyes to the Lord. To dwell on the one who has created all of it. The Lord will keep you on this journey. Not that he will... Not that he will keep you from a rough path or from trials or dangers or pain, but that he will keep you through them. The same Jesus, the same Jesus who said these words, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. That same Jesus who said that, gave his life, that many would have life in him. You see, we don't take this journey as pilgrims to earn the destination, to earn our ticket into this city. It's not as if this pilgrim journey, if, you can just, if I can just find the right path, if I can just take the right steps, if I can just do the right things, then I'll be able to get entrance into that city one day. I'll, I'll finally be able to get home. No, that's not how it works He doesn't say, if you make it, then I'll let you in. He says, you, I've already walked this journey for you. I've already walked the path and carried the cross up that hill. The hill difficulty. The hill that no hill is more difficult than. And my feet, my feet that were watched so closely, they were nailed to that cross. And my naked and beaten body was burned in the sun as I hung there. And I was surrounded by evil of cosmic proportions as our sins were laid on him. And yet, yet he rose. And Jesus says, I've been kept and I will keep you. Your destination is guaranteed. Your journey is sure. Pilgrims, it is done. So put one foot in front of the other and keep walking. You see, one of the great and heavy privileges of being a pilgrim is watching and walking with others when your pilgrim's journey converges with their pilgrim's journey, right? I had only been a youth pastor for a few, I'd only been a youth pastor at this church for a few months. And I just struck up a friendship with this kid. He was, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old at the time. But I can remember where I was when I saw his Facebook post. It simply said this, has anyone seen my sister? She went running. She hasn't come home. I didn't, at that time, I didn't know her personally. But I had heard about her. She just graduated from high school a few days before. She was on her way to K-State. She was smart. She was fun. She was beautiful, athletic, fiercely kind, to everyone. She was the kind of kid that was popular with the 
popular kids, but was known more for her kindness to the unpopular and the outcast. She loved Jesus. Above all else, she loved Jesus. She started Bible studies. She led her friends to Christ. She was, frankly, what every father wishes their daughter to be. And she had life ahead of her. And as I understand it, it was just as usually it goes. She cut through the wooded path in her backyard to a gravel road, going to run a few miles and then come home, but she never got back to the house. Eventually, they found her body murdered. Where does our help come from? Where does our help come from when we face the hill difficulty? Over the next few years, I watched as they, as a family, began to walk this journey. But most of all, I watched her father as he dealt with grief, as he led his family, as he wrestled with forgiveness. And recently, recently I reached out to him to thank him, to thank him for how God used his, his broken but, but obedient example in my life as I journeyed alongside And he responded to me like this. He said, we floated on prayers. We floated on the prayers of the saints for a long, long time. Holding on to God's word and his promises with all we had. Truly our savior, Jesus Christ, carried us through our deep grief. And we know, know in all capitals, she lives because he lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The man who through difficulties I can't imagine in this pilgrim journey understands what it means to be kept. And he knows, he knows the one who keeps. And he knows his daughter is home. So pilgrims, what are you afraid of? Lift up your eyes to the hills. Do dangers exist? Yeah, they do. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. Will you make mistakes? Undoubtedly. But our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so we can say as Christians, this hill though high, I desire to ascend. The difficulty will not me offend, for I perceive the way of life lies here. Be strong, my heart. Let neither faint nor fear. Better, though difficult, the right way to go than wrong, though easy, for the end is woe. That same God who said, if you love your life here, you'll lose it. But if you hate your life here, you'll gain it for eternity. Died on the cross for us. We have this time, this wonderful time that we've missed having for so long, we call communion, where we get to share in the remembrance of that, and we get to allow Christ to minister to us as we remember that sacrifice. And so if you have communion with you, uh, please grab it. If, if you re just realized right now, oh, crud, I, I forgot to get that. It's in the back. You can, you can run and grab some if you'd like.
But Jesus, when he was with his disciples, can you imagine? Knowing what was lying ahead of him, knowing full well, he sat in that upper room with with his disciples. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he passed it around and he said to them, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, I have no idea all the things that are going on in each person's life, the difficulties that they're facing. Lord, we have no idea the difficulties that we'll face tomorrow. Our hill may be just around the bend for this season of life, and no doubt there will be new hills for us. Lord, we rest in the promise that there's no hill that you won't use for greater good. We rest in the promise that there's no hill, there's no danger, there's no pit, nothing that you can't keep us from to the very end. Lord, I pray that you would move our hearts to find our home not here in these moments and in these places, but with you forever. We turn our focus from the, the difficulties, from the trials, from the hardships that we have, from the things that are frustrations and, and, and are painful, and we turn our focus to you and that our eyes would be on you and your cross, on what you've done and your power and on your inevitable return, God, and that that would give us hope to put one foot in front of the other and continue down this pilgrim journey. Lord, I pray that we would be obedient to you in all things. I pray this in your name. Amen.